and welcome to Music of Our Lives, a podcast focused on discovering what music meant to us as we grow, grew up and what it means now. I'm Savannah Mikowski, and I'm super excited to be discussing music, stories, and what makes us unique on my podcast for these next few episodes. I'm going to be just chatting with my friends, seeing what we're up to, and just going along with the flow. Uh, most of us have a passion for concerts. I especially have a passion for vinyls and basically everything that includes musical sound. I noticed that music really just gives me this language to talk whenever I don't quite know the words to say. And I know it means the same thing or something similar to a lot of other people. So whether you're really into like old 80s rock or 2000s Britney Spears pop, whatever it is in between, I hope you can find something that speaks to the music in you within this show. It's all about exploring the differences that we create within a song, what a particular artist means to us, and how music helped create us. On the agenda today, we have my wonderful friend Riley with us. We're going to be talking about the 1975, so how about we get started with the music? So, hello, Riley. Hello. All right. So, how in the world do I know you, sir? Hmm. Well, we go way back to the beginning of this last semester. Um, we're both in the same um, English ed cohort, and we quickly became cool. best buds. Oh, cute. <laughs> yes, so Riley and I, I will say, the one thing I noticed about him first is we both pulled out our laptops, and we had the exact same 1975 <laughs> sticker. Kind of embarrassing, kind of iconic. I'll let you pick which one you decide is better. So, um, how about you tell our wonderful people a little bit about yourself? Wow. Hello, everybody. Um, so, my full name is Riley Jones. Um, I go to UGA with Savannah. I'm uh, going into my senior year, and I'm super pumped to be a teacher. I'm also super pumped because I met a few guys that are interested in starting a band. So, there's a lot coming this next year. But... Um, that's me. That, I didn't know about the whole band thing. That actually sounds like a really good time. <laughs> new, new, so, new news. Yeah, that is new news. So, <laughs> in regard to the 1975. Yes. Why in the world do you think that we both enjoy them so much? Like, what is so important about this artist that we are both completely enamored <laughs> with them? Goodness, I think they just do a good job of capturing so many different emotions. I mean, the first album Maddie described as what teenage apocalyptic romance. I mean, yes. what better to um, describe my adolescence than teenage <laughs> apocalyptic romance. And so, so you have songs, you have sad songs, you have songs you can dance to. I mean, just everything, every emotion you can think of, they probably have a song for it by now. Mm -hmm. So, do you remember, like, finding them? Like, do you remember, I'm... like, what started the whole infatuation? <laughs> Absolutely. It was, a long, it was a long journey to get where I am because, I mean, so they got big when I was about seventh, about eighth grade. And I didn't really care for them just because it was cool to not like bands like that as a guy. But then um, I want to say I saw them on Vine one time and I like they were put on a really cool show and I saw like the boxes and the lighting and stuff and I thought they were really cool. So I thought I might check them out. And then I heard them on an 
NBA video game. I heard the sound. And I was like, okay, I got to check these guys out. <laughs> and so next thing you know, I'm down a total wormhole on YouTube <laughs> listening to every song they made since they were 12 years old. That That's great. Did I ever tell you, like, how I, like, found the 1975? I don't think so. This, this is a wonderful story. So whenever I was a youngster, aka a middle schooler with an iPad and nothing better to do, I went on Omegle all the time <laughs> and talked to a bunch of random people. Probably not the best decision in the world, but mm-hmm. it happened. I happened no, to really connect with this British guy whose name was, was Jake. I'm not going to go into any more details than that. He lived in England and he liked to go to like pubs and like little bars like that and watch bands that were performing (laughs) and one night he texted me he was like yeah there's this like actually really good band there that was performing tonight I actually really liked them they they sent me like they I bought their EP and I was like oh okay like that's cool I was like well what are they called they're like oh they're called like the 1975 like (laughs) I'll I'll download it and I'll like send it to you and I was like okay that's cool because they did not have any of their songs like out yet on Spotify, they maybe have some on YouTube. I never checked that. But he downloaded these songs, like burned them from a CD onto his computer and sent them to me. And I was obsessed with chocolate, as everyone is. <laughs> so wow. I was listening to this little obscure band, and then all of a sudden, like four months later, not even joking, my dad like pulled me, like from his garage like he was working doing something and he was listening to the local pop station in Augusta and it happened to be playing chocolate I was like this this is the band (laughs) that like I I was listening to (laughs) and (laughs) that that was how I met them and people swear to god on this day that it's a fake story and I'm just like (laughs) how number one would I have come up with that and number two I was an unstable teenager meeting random people on Omegle do you not believe that I would have trusted this random dude in Britain <laughs> like that's just that's just what it is that's crazy though you've been a fan since the very beginning I mean like which is I guess that's a topic for contemplation is that like there are so many band fandoms that practice like such bad gatekeeping where it's like, oh, I was here from this one song. If you like this album, then you're a fake fan. And it's just like, that's such a problem. <laughs> I agree. In, like, even just, like, the 1975, just since we're talking about them, I am friends with a girl who happened to get a little bit late to the game. Like, she liked them mm-hmm. through, no, like, through notes on a conditional form. And right. she was... She was so excited because she's like, yeah, I'm going to, like, get to go to a concert soon. Hello, 2020. Um, and, like, there are so many people that just invalidate her feelings towards the band just because she didn't hop on because of the self-titled. Right. Right. I didn't know the 1975's fan base was as bad about it. But I'll tell you one fan base who's horrible about it is 21 Pilots. And <laughs> they just... They make me not want to listen to the band just because they're they're so absorbed in this band and so obsessed with when they found the band and who's known them the longest that, oh gosh, makes you not want to go to a show. 
Yeah, no, that I actually was wanting to go to their show that they had like in Atlanta or somewhere soon or somewhere close. I, I can't exactly remember. Yeah, I wanted to, but it's just like I totally agree with like it's kind of toxic because I remember I I just kind of sidetrack here I started listening to 21 Pilots whenever they were on like the first year of the AP awards and like that's how I saw them I had no idea who they even were and mm-hmm. then they were like well you met him whenever a bunch of people met him and I was just like okay <laughs> so I'm like it uh, you know what it, it's honestly kind of like that whole subgenre of like pop punky mm-hmm but kind of a little bit more on the pop side that happens to do that. Which is interesting to me because I think you were saying, like, the 1975 fan base is definitely not as bad as different other ones. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that they've never truly stayed on, like, this one genre. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. the the self-titled, I would say, is definitely more, like, sad, emo, pop, rock. Like, definitely. And then we move on to I Like It When You Sleep, and <laughs> we have this like giddy kind of like techno pop. Mass a masterpiece, yeah. It is so it's just beautiful. And it's like every album that they come up with mm-hmm. after that is just the sound changes so much that mm-hmm. I find it really hard for me as a fan to even confine them to a specific genre. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think Maddie has commented on that before, if I'm not mistaken. He he's like a philosopher like i don't even know <laughs> what this man is yeah somebody asked him uh what genre the 1975 is be which is pretty cool mm-hmm. so i mean like i think the band overall just doesn't want to be confined to anything because it's not even just Maddie I know that's like a common joke is that like a lot of people only reference mm-hmm. Maddie when speaking to the 1975 when like just as an example George is just as valid <laughs> yeah yeah George does like half the work mm-hmm. and it's like they're they're basically even with this most recent album all of them are credited as some kind of like writer or producer on it because they spent so much time working on it as individuals Without right. even worrying about like a production company, which I think says a lot about what they've kind of evolved to. They've taken their own platform and made it exactly what they wanted instead of trying to follow the certain trend. Right. Yeah, I think at this point, they're the point in their career where they built up enough of a following that they can start taking these kind of risks and stuff because they have like a loyal fan base. They don't have to worry as much about, oh gosh, I hope people buy this record. Because they know people are. And so it's, I mm-hmm. think it's um, allowing them to create more quality music and do what they really want to do. And it's nice to see that kind of happen on notes on a conditional form. Because there's some songs that really stray away from what they've done in their earlier stuff. But I like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just cool to see I, how I, much they've evolved. That is, like, honestly, it is, a, it is a fact. I'm trying to think of where I wanted to go. I forgot it. <laughs> I lost my train of thought completely. But I think it's interesting to me that they not only <clears throat> don't stick to this, like, strict binary, they've also kind of, like, risked their necks in a way to speak about topics that 
otherwise would kind of be really controversial. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Maddie, I can't remember exactly, like, what country it was in or, like, what state or whatever, but, like, like homosexual relationships are illegal and he kissed a male yes. fan on stage. Yeah. And they play songs about, you know, loving who you are regardless of your sexuality or your gender and loving someone. <laughs> loving. <laughs> regardless <laughs> of what the world says about you. And they take these topics and, like, love it if we made it. It, you know, directly attacks, like, Trump and different male predators that we see throughout history. Right. And they're kind of putting their necks out there to be like, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about these issues regardless if you like them or not. And if you don't like it, well, that's too bad. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're really drawing a line in the sand at some points. Like, if you don't believe in this, then you're just not going to like our music, I guess. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they've become a lot more outspoken the past few years, but I'm here for it. He's big on using your platform if you have it, like, mm-hmm. for good, of course, and not just being and complacent. Even- and he's known to, like, call other artists out for not using their platform yeah. right. And it's not even just, like, traditional topics that we would see. Like, I thought it was really cool whenever they did their, like, T-shirt recycling. Yes. Or, like, not wanting to continue to mass produce these products that could potentially be harmful for the environment. They wanted to do something different to where it's like, oh, recycle these old shirts you have and make them into something you want them to be and right. don't just let them waste away. And so it's just like, there's so many topics that like go outside of their music that they, you know, they started this platform with their songs and then they've extended it so far past it that it's just mm-hmm. like, is there really a boundary to what like musicians can do at this point or like what they can be? I think they're pushing the boundary if there is one. I mean, their first song on the new album isn't even a song. It's Greta Thunberg um, giving a speech about climate change. I mean, nobody does that on their on a hugely anticipated record. That's crazy. But they did. It's brilliant. It's more they, than just music. They because the entire music for Cars era. By the way, rest in peace. Really kind of sad about that, but yeah. nostalgic. <laughs> has been the the intro song has been the 1975. It's been the same lyrics, just reproduced in different fashions to represent what the kind of album is going to sound like. Mm-hmm. And they completely they titled it the exact same thing. They kept it the exact same format, and they even released it before the album came out to kind of right. you know let the fan base and let people know like this is not what you're expecting. This is what we're doing differently this time. Mm-hmm. And I love that and they, relevant. yeah, they they went ahead and released it while it was relevant, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the timing was brilliant too. No, and just that being their first that. single is so interesting because you know people are gonna be like, "What the heck is this?" You know, people are gonna be ticked off in the comments, but oh, they feel that's what they need to say. <laughs> yeah, people. I remember when that song came out. I was like, "Oh, that's weird." Like they never have like individually released their intro song as a single mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that's kind of different and whenever I listened to it I kind of understood why they did that because it was relevant at the time and it meant something Absolutely. and then they slowly started coming out with the different singles like just these weird random things that I wouldn't have thought that they would have released like birthday party all right that the song is the video was it caught me <laughs> off guard okay? I mean it's a country it was, it was song very weird. 
it's also it's it's sort of country and that's weird coming from a british band but what about no we had people people was the first song that they released after the 1975 okay. and what it's literally him screaming i was in love with that i was i was legit i was like if this is what the album is gonna sound like i'm here for it and then like whenever <laughs> i listened to the album when they released it i was like this is all over the place yeah like, it's intense because we go from you know the introductory of greta talking and then we immediately move into people mm-hmm. and then it goes into like kind of the sign-off for music for cars an orchestral it goes from yeah it goes from a speech to like a hard rock garage rock thing to an orchestra <laughs> all in three songs <laughs> it's creative it's creative freedom at its finest mm-hmm. and then it's just like we go into like you know there, there's a section there where it works where it's like real state of mind we have streaming the birthday party those kind of like mm-hmm. not extremely calm but you know less intense songs yes. on the album mm-hmm. and then we like jesus christ 2005 god bless america by the way perfect title love it <laughs> it's just it's so packed and dense of a song and like mm-hmm. this album is i want to say like what 20 20 something songs if i'm yeah. not mistaken it's just like how is every single song just so packed full of information that you can sit and analyze like i was overwhelmed i had to take a step back and then listen to it like days later after my original listening it's an album you have to take in by yourself too Mm. there's just so much to it and it can really be powerful if you sit and listen through the whole thing even though it's really long (laughs) it's worth it Ah, because, like, I will say, this this might be hot take right here. No, it's not a conditional form. It's a great album. I will say that. But it's not, like, my personal favorite, which I know is no. probably not a lot of people's either. But even so, like, it's it's probably my least favorite album they've released. Not saying that it's bad, because I said the same thing. All of their albums are amazing, and they're good in their own individual right. But if you put them, like up next to each other it's just like i i have a hard time because i know it's kind of basic like people have told me like i'm obsessed with the self-titled i get it okay mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the typical i'm an emo indie girl living in 2010 on tumblr <laughs> right i just love it yeah <laughs> i think that um I think part of the reason we don't love notes yet as our favorite is just because and i think you wanted to talk about this at some point is just the memories that their earlier songs carry even up to mm-hmm. their third album brief inquiry into online relationships i think i just have so many memories of songs like give yourself a try love me the city and just riding around with my friends doing stupid stuff with those songs <laughs> on repeat and I think yeah. to, that that put that goes a lot into what makes my favorite album my favorite, and I think that's why yeah, I like Brief Inquiry so much. I completely see where you're coming from with that. Like, I guess we can we can go ahead and talk about that because it's just like we have these 
with with lots of music, we have these memories attached to specific songs and specific albums and specific bands. And I'm completely with you with like having these songs that make you think of your friends and make you feel nostalgic and that's why you're attached to them. That's like kind of how I am with the self-titled is because mm-hmm. I just whenever I first got my car, there were two albums that I played religiously because I had them downloaded on my phone and I could not stand ads on Spotify until I could pay for premium. <laughs> It was Stony and the self-titled of the nineteen seventy-five, and you know it got to the point where like I learned you know a lot about myself by listening to this album. I learned a lot about my friends because we could communicate through these terms. And you know, at the end of the day, whenever we were done listening to them, we could turn on Feeling Whitney and just cry about it. <laughs> right. Right. And but, so, yeah, I think, yeah, that is so important. And that's why I've always had a soft spot for, um, well, I Like It When You Sleep, their second album, because mm-hmm. a lot of people hate on that one now in comparison to the rest of them. They like to put it at the bottom of their list. But I cannot tell you how many times I've, I don't know, cried to Paris. Paris was a song mm-hmm. that I fell in love with them with, by the way. Or, but there are countless times I've cried to that or screamed to Ballad of Me and My Brain in the car. And to me, I think that's the most important part of deciding what music you like. It's just how it makes you feel and what it reminds you of and what time of your life it brings you back to. Yep. That, that is true. I, <laughs> the amount of times that like I have just sat in my bedroom, like, staring at the ceiling listening to the self-titled just on repeat is sad like (laughs) the memories that I have attached to like this must be my dream is Mm -hmm. something that I can't even describe like I once again it's one of those things where it's like I cannot express to you the emotions that I attach to this song they just are there Absolutely. And then it's like, I will cry till she lays down every single time. <laughs> oh, that's a rough it's, one. It's just, it's so mm. beautiful. And then even like, just going back, like, we talk about super nostalgia for a quick sec. The city, chocolate, sex. Right. Like, the OG... I will say that that is the holy trinity of the OG album. It's just like everyone knows that song. (laughs) And then it's just like, it's a part of the community. Like there's certain things where it's like, not even seeing Antichrist live. That's a part of the community. Right, big meme. The trinity of the self album, that is the trinity. The rainbow box, whenever they're playing Loving Someone, is a part of this, you know, fan base that we're a part of and it's just those little things that mean so much and they just don't seem that big in the spectrum of things to Mm -hmm. someone who doesn't realize the meaning behind it Mm -hmm. absolutely because i will say because i can't where was were we in the same concert in atlanta or did you not make it to that one i didn't make it gosh i regret not being able to go 
but you have went to one of their concerts before if i'm not mistaken right i've never been able to make it to a concert because i never oh. i didn't get to get, i grew up in thomasville georgia in the south and mm -hmm. the the closest you could get to a big concert was maybe tallahassee or atlanta which would be mm -hmm. a long drive either way and so i didn't really get to go to concerts when i was in high school and when i first started loving these guys and so i hadn't yeah. that's the funny thing i'm such a huge fan but i've never seen them live I was supposed to have seen them live last month. And of course the virus didn't let that happen. It's just amazing how attached I've grown without even seeing them live. It's quite yeah. crazy. I've seen, I've watched their videos enough on YouTube to feel like I've seen them live. <laughs> that, that is true. Cause I, I've met people who went to their like first OG show in Atlanta that they had. And it was kind of back whenever Maddie wasn't in his best Mm -hmm. state of mind where yeah. it was the drugs and a lot of just problems going on which he's talked about in the albums which is another really powerful statement that he talked about is just like him overcoming those kinds of obstacles mm -hmm. but I did get the opportunity to see them whenever they played at the Solaris Amphitheater in Atlanta I will say with how far you are to the Florida Georgia line that that is kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of they didn't trust me to drive all the way to Atlanta by myself <laughs> to I go to a concert. Myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't drive in Atlanta. That is, no, no. Because I grew up in Augusta, which is about a two and a half hour drive to Atlanta. So it's not mm -hmm. terrible, but it's not great either. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. coming home at the end of Harry Styles, you're falling asleep in the backseat of the car while your mom is listening to the saddest country music in the world. <laughs> but whenever I went to see the 1975, uh, I had gotten tickets for my birthday or, or something from from my ex's mom, and I went with my ex. And we sat. It's so funny. We sat next to this couple that was arguing the entire night, and like the girl was miserable. She sat in her chair with her legs and arms crossed, and the dude just did not care. He was just living his best life. <laughs> and like it was just so funny to see like the amounts of contrast throughout the crowd because like I could I was not close enough to where like I could really see them like they were like ants to me up there saw the big box saw the very big box saw it on the screen <laughs> and like I don't know it, it is electrifying I will say being in the crowd like I I'm so sad that you had that opportunity to take it away from me because mm -hmm. it sucks but like. <laughs> They rescheduled. They'll be back. We'll be good their, soon. Their their concerts number one on my to do list. I have to see them. Yeah, it it is it is really it is something because like I will say, from that concert, as soon as the first note of loving someone hit and the lights just shut off and then cut back on again with like the rainbow, mm -hmm. it was like the whole crowd like paused and froze for just a millisecond and then it just like hyped up so quickly again and it's just one of those things where it's like people question why concerts cost so much or why people spend so much money on concerts and it's just like this is this one thing people people's argument that I've had thrown towards me is that like you're paying so much money to see this person perform for like what an hour and a half two hours and then you're going to relive it through like pictures and videos like what's the point well the point is that you'll never really get that experience the same whenever you're sitting in your bedroom listening to it like it's 
kind of similar, you still feel those like really good emotions, but just being able to know that you're in the same presence, even though you're not as close as like someone who's created music that means so much to you. It's like a powerful message and a powerful feeling. Absolutely. Um, yeah, walk, just seeing them walk up on stage and being like, there they are. Because there's a band called Hippocampus that I was obsessed with in high school. And seeing them live for the first time after being obsessed with them for two years was quite an experience. And the songs sound different. You meet people. It's just, it's just a wonderful experience going to a concert. People think it's just standing there and listening to music. But it's not, especially if you have a um, a ticket for the pit and you're being shoved around by 50 other sweaty kids. Mm-hmm. It's just worth every penny to me. I've never really, I don't think I've ever gone to a concert that I just absolutely regretted spending money on. I'm always like, that was worth it. <laughs> I'll have this memory for the rest of my life. I will say, there are the concert that I regret going to, but I didn't pay a cent for it. So this is a funny, this is a funny sidetrack right here. So in Atlanta, I have a list of venues that I actually like and venues that I really don't like. And if there's an artist playing at them and I really want to see them, then I'll go, but it's not my favorite. The Coca-Cola Roxy is on my list of venues that I'm not the biggest fan of. (laughs) For those who do not know, I am a very short girl. So for Pitt, I'm like 5'1". And a lot of these guys that go to these shows have are like five ten to like six two, and they pick up their girlfriends and put them on their backs so they can see everything. And I'm I'm on the big side, so like guys can't pick me up, and I don't feel comfortable with just letting random men pick me up, so I can't really see anything. At the Roxy, it's just this big open pit, and then like this kind of semicircle of seats around it. For for Melanie, I managed to get up into the top, and I was able to see her pretty well, and that was actually a really good concert. But for free, we went and saw Lil Pump. <laughs> now, this was the worst concert experience of my life. It lasted three or four hours of just these random Atlanta rappers that came out before him singing these songs I'd never heard of with this random DJ in the back, not even on beat. And then, like... He actually came out, and half of the show was this dude getting someone into a slime tank and asking him questions about himself. (laughs) Like, he wasn't even singing. I was like, what is this? Me and, like, three other grandpas, don't know how they got there. We were sitting in the back on one of the benches just like, I'm ready to go home. (laughs) And, like, once again, I was with my ex, because that seems who I seem to go to a lot of concerts with. He was just straight chilling, like, in the pit, just, like, having a good old time. And I'm like, this is trash. <laughs> this is actual trash. It, that sounds rough. So, bad. so I will say, mo- none of the concerts that, like, people have actually spent money on, that, like, given me for presents or something, or that, like, I put money towards, have I regretted. But, like, if you ever see a ticket is free, let me tell you, it's more than likely free for a reason if it's a bigger <laughs> just artist. It's free. Yeah, just because it's free doesn't mean you should take it. Yeah, it, it was it was not worth it. It was not a good time. It, it was just, it, no. <laughs> like, it cost more to park and go to the rock seat than it did for us. Literally, because we didn't pay anything to go. It cost us more to park and then watch this man perform. Yeah, heck yeah. It was Atlanta. not a good time. Oh, it, like, it, I love Atlanta. It's 
electric. It's amazing. I went to my first show at, I want to say it was the Tabernacle, like for Rex Orange County at the beginning mm-hmm. of this year before we knew COVID was this big of a deal. Well, yeah. we kind of knew, yeah. but nobody had told us because this is not a political podcast. We're not, not going to get into that. <laughs> but, you right. know, it was before we really knew of anything. And I mm-hmm. loved that venue and it was amazing. But it's just like, Atlanta is such a hub for music, and it's, it is, a, like, a city that means so much to me because of how many shows I've seen there and, like, how many artists I've, like, you know, gotten to interact with because of that city. And so a lot of my memories of different artists like Harry Styles, 1975, Rex Orange County, are because of that city. Absolutely. Yeah, most of my concerts <sighs> have been in Atlanta, too. The good old masquerade has been my favorite so far. <laughs> I've never actually been to the Masquerade because uh, my my mom, I asked for a lot of concert tickets for like Christmas and birth- birthdays and stuff. And I, I'm an emo kid. I was an emo kid whenever I was in middle school. I, I still jam out to literally anything I can get my hands on that's emo. Bring it on, Pierce the Veil, Sleeping the Sirens, Bring the Horizon, mm-hmm. all that good jazz. I wanted to go see Black Veil Bride at the Masquerade. I wanted so badly. And she was like, no. And so <laughs> my mom never let me go to the Masquerade. Gosh. I'm glad you brought up um, what, like, being an emo kid. When I was in middle school, when I got into music, I was almost 100% rap up until, like, ninth or 10th grade. So mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, how did I go from an 8th grade swearing by like only listening to like Kendrick Lamar and like those kind of like J. Cole and then to broadening my horizons to somebody like the 1975 who you think is like on the other end of the spectrum like how did I get there that's just crazy to me yeah that that is something that I've noticed with like people who have a genuine like connection with just music in general it doesn't really matter what the artist is I will say whatever I was I was in middle school similarly to you except mine was, mine was emo. I was like, I will only listen to bands that are sad mm-hmm. <laughs> and who scream at the top of their lungs. That's the only kind of music there is. Everything else is posers. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I actually, one of my friends got me to listen to, I can't remember who it was, but it was some rap artist. I think it actually might have been Kendrick. And I was like, huh, okay, maybe this is good. Yeah. And I slowly started, like, going back to the 1975 and different people of that nature. I, I, I appreciate country music. I just, I grew up on it, and I've heard it my whole life. And so it's one of those things where it's like, if I have the choice, I'm not going to turn it on. But if it's there, I will listen to it. Right. But it's just like, whenever you deeply care about music, and whenever it's something that means so much to you, especially as you get older, it less about you know what genre it is and what kind of genres you like it's more about what it means to you and how you perceive it right so yeah well I I still absolutely love rap and so that has like a place in my heart but I'm just proud that over the years I've been able to grow up and realize that you don't have to yeah you don't have to stick to your genre you can just you can literally just like whatever you want and nobody's really going to care that much. Nobody's going to make fun of you. Yeah. Gosh. Maybe then. 
I guess they're just so accessible and they have so many different types of songs that they're really appealing to mm-hmm. people who like any genre because you yeah. have songs like Money that that you hear and it's kind of like, okay, this could be like, this could be a hip hop beat, but he's singing over it and it <laughs> sounds really cool. I'm going to listen to more of their stuff now. Yeah. You know? That, I totally agree with that. Like, there's just, it's so eclectic in the best way possible to where it's just like, there is something for everybody within this band. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that. And I think that's something that, like, they preach themselves too, is that it's like, you don't have to like us, but if you do like us, then I promise you, there is something for everyone. <laughs> and it's just like, because they're that just well rounded. Like, why in the world did they release a country song? Like, why, why is that a thing? It's a great right. song. <laughs> but it's, it's just like, how did they even come up with that? It's crazy. They're so, brilliant. They're I know, absolutely like, brilliant. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about, like, a lot of the memories that, like, we hold for, like, nostalgic purposes and things of that nature. And obviously we know that, like, we're still in love with this band and that we still listen to them on the regular but, like, do you, just being being honest, like, do you really still have that, like, connection with them that's, like, something really special? I think I do, but for for some of their stuff, especially their first album, I think I love it for different reasons than I loved it when I first found them, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I think as I've grown... I've learned to appreciate these songs um, just in different ways. Like Robbers is a song, is a very melodramatic love song that mm-hmm. felt like it, it feels like the end of the world when you are, um, when you're 15 or 16 years old hearing it for the first time, you're like, <laughs> Oh my God, this is my life. This is my life right now. <laughs> this is, this is about the girl I just broke up with. This is literally me. But then 20-year-old me still loves robbers just as much, but it's more like a, wow. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like, <laughs> I loved this song so much when I was younger. And for that reason, I still love it now. It just brings back those feelings again. Mm-hmm. But I also think that the band has grown with me. Um, yeah. Their their um more serious album, Brief Inquiry and Online Relationships, came out my freshman year, halfway through my freshman year of college, and I think it came at the perfect time, and I think a lot of the a lot of the songs do deal with the internet, and mm-hmm. um the problems that can arise from <laughs> just just the internet things, and I think that was very applicable to my life, mm-hmm. and songs like Give Yourself a Try literally helped me get out of bed every morning yeah and I don't think I would have liked it as much if I was this album I don't think I would have liked it as much if I was 14 or 15 I just think I happen to be a fan at a very good point in my life and so for that reason I still love them just as much today I I completely see your point with that like I I agree because it's like going back to your point with robbers whenever you're an AC teen you're just like oh my gosh, they're talking about school. Like, I get that. Like, that's crazy. And then now it's like, we're both in college. We're both about to graduate. 
in like a year, which is crazy to say, but it's just like, I can look at it through a different lens and be like, wow, that's low key destructive. Like that, Mm -hmm. that's not something that needs to be celebrated, but it's something that can be appreciated. So it's just a thing where like, they do grow with you. And like, whenever you grow older, you can appreciate albums and you can appreciate the songs that made you who you are, but realize Mm -hmm. that it's not the you that you were and still love it just as much. Right. It's more like a celebratory thing as you get older. Not to sound like one of those dads that like listens to all that back in my day kind of stuff, (laughs) but it's true. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, this song helped me through so much. Yeah. Well, I think that this was a super enlightening conversation about teen angst, college (laughs) stress, and you know, the fact that songs that mean a lot to you are still meaningful, but it just evolves and grows with how Mm -hmm. you get older. Absolutely. All right. Well, I really like talking with you today, and thank you so much for helping me out and joining me for talking about what is the best bands of all time. (laughs) A little exaggeratory. (laughs) It was so much fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of this. Oh, no problem. So, long live the 1975. (laughs) Yes. All right, guys. So, I'll leave you with this last contemplation. What does music mean in your life? How have you been changed through the years because of the artists you know and love? What is the music that defines your life? What does it mean to you? In the next episode, we don't know what's going to happen. I have multiple friends lined up to talk. I have my friend Ariel. I have my friend Caitlin, Deanna, a couple of other things. So we will see how it goes. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all soon.